Well, good evening and welcome, my dear listeners, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, broadcasting across the globe for, gee, I think it's nine years now. Speaking for those with no voice, speaking truth to power, sharing the news of the cognitive minority as we begin to manifest a new normal for the quality of life for the 99%. Hey, I bet that's you and me. (laughs) You know, as the Dalai Lama said, it would be Western women who would save the world. Well, I think he might have really meant it was sacred feminine ideals that offer us the best hope for an egalitarian world. Yep. We're tired of the domination, the exploitation, the authoritarian father. Yes, that new normal is coming, and I think they feel the ground shaking. Well, our musical opening tonight was Breath of Passion by Zingaya. I love that group out of Las Vegas. I thank them for allowing me to use their music, and I do so often, and I hope you'll Google um their other music, too, that's Zingaya, Z-I-N-G-A-I-A. Tonight's cut, uh, whenever I play it, I can't help but feel transported. I just feel like I am in the desert somewhere on the back of a camel, and there's something about that melody makes me just sort of feel that loping movement that you feel when you ride the back of a camel and we're just sort of going across the sand dunes with the full moon up above and I'm not sure where we're going but uh, it just, I don't know, it feels beautiful. What could that be? I I wonder if that's uh, past memories, um, previous lives. I, I don't know, but there it is. I'm exposing my soul to you. <laughs> Well, tonight uh, we have with us Deborah Lloyd uh, discussing healing is always possible. And um, I I want you to stay tuned in after our talk uh, because uh, with Deborah we'll we'll share about complementary alternative modalities that uh, Deborah believes can enhance your life. Uh, She'll talk about the role of spirituality and healing and how to know which modalities to pursue. Um, But as I said, stay tuned uh, after the show uh, because in the second part, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my gratitude and manifestation experiments uh, that I'm doing with some friends here in L.A. Uh, Also, we might talk a little bit about understanding the dark and why that's so important especially at this time of year. You know, we're either talking about the light that we know is coming or the dark. I think it's interesting, so um, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, We'll get uh, to that uh, really quick uh, after these announcements. So first of all, this Saturday I will be in Ojai, uh, which is north of Los Angeles, giving a talk on reawakening our sacred stories. Yes, reawakening our sacred stories. What stories have been swept beneath the rug that have shaped society? Um, and if they hadn't been swept beneath the rug, how might society be different? We're going to delve into that, and it really is very interesting because, you know, our mythology shapes our culture. Uh, Then, uh, I want to tell you, in February, uh, sponsored by Deja Vu Oracles, I'm coming to Wildemore for a goddess day at the Grove. Uh, Wildemore is uh, south of Los Angeles, near Lake Elsinore, uh, but just north of Escondido. So if that uh, 
sounds like that might be fun, a goddess day at the Grove. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of uh, sacred feminine-oriented things, uh, lots of talk, uh, lots of readings, and uh, an assortment of things to sort of um, uh, give you a taste of goddess and uh, get you uh, motivated for uh, the coming year. Then um, I've uh, I've been talking about the seminar at sea uh, in shows past, uh, visiting the Mexican Riviera, where I'm one of the speakers uh, on healthy relationships. There's not uh, too much time to decide about that. If you've been mulling it over and if you've been thinking, well, maybe, well, maybe, um, and we're really getting to the point where it's time to commit because the cruise departs uh, the 14th of February, and uh, there's not much time left, as I hear cabins are selling out. So if you feel like your relationships sort of need an overall and, um, you know, you want to draw better relationships to you and uh, maybe you want to find love in your life, you know, this is a seminar at sea for single folks and for couples. So let me hear from you before registering, though, uh, if you think you're going to sign up, because uh, by coming to me first, you get a special added discount. Um, Also, uh, coming up in March, because before you know it, March is going to be here. Uh, It's around the corner. Uh, There's some things that are happening. You can maybe save the dates and put it on your calendar if you're here in uh, Southern California. We're going to be doing a sistrum making class uh, on March 14th. Uh, the sistrum is the sacred instrument of the goddesses uh, Isis, Bast, and Hathor. Uh, they were thought to um, dispel negative energy, um, to ward off evil spirits. If a priestess used a sistrum, uh, it was thought that in doing so she was embodying the goddess. Uh, I think it was Herodotus that said, when you shook the sistrum, you kept the energies of the universe flowing. So um, you can also just buy a sistrum if you uh, can't make the class. That's always an option, too. Get in touch with me if you're interested in that. And um, I am going to start sponsoring Joseph Campbell Roundtables in Venice Beach And the first one is going to also be Saturday, March 14th, big day the 14th. Uh, So the first talk in Venice is going to be on Artemis, uh, her magic, mystery, and sacred landscape with Dr. James Riedfeld, who is going to be leading, co-leading with me, uh, the sacred tour we have planned in May. So big day in March the 14th. also, uh, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of that tour, um, that also is filling, and we're only going to be taking 20 women or in, uh, and men. So, if you think uh, that's something you may want to do this year, uh, travel with us to Turkey and uh, experience the whirling dervishes and Turkish baths and walk in the sacred sites of goddess. Um, again, you know, it's we're getting close to the time when you can't mull it over anymore, you really have to make a decision one way or another. And uh, finally, um, one other thing coming up in March, um, if you're interested in ancient cultures, 
uh, or Artemis, Isis, Cabelli, Mary, Magna Mater, Hecate, well, then you're going to want to know about the book launch party and ritual for Artemis of the Ephesians that's going to happen at the Goddess Temple in Orange County on March 28th. So the 14th is a big day in March. The 28th is a big day in March. Um, and as I said, the, uh, the tour uh, to uh, Turkey is in May. And then you've got the seminar at sea leaving uh, February 14th for seven days. And finally, one last thing that's going to be happening in the summer. I'm going to just sort of put you on notice. Uh, there's not a lot of details yet, but you might recall uh, I was going to be part of the Goddess Conference in Nashville, Tennessee last summer. Uh, and things didn't work out for it last summer, but we are starting early this year, and that will take part in either June or July. So keep in touch with me about that. And in case you didn't know it, you know, there is an incredible statue of Athena in the Nashville Museum that is a replica of the Athena that used to stand in the Parthenon in Athens. And... um this museum is designed to look just like the Parthenon, and when you go inside, you will see her huge statue there standing as if you were transported to Greece, and, uh, and there you are in Athena's temple, but you'll be right there in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, that should be a lot of fun, too. So a lot of stuff uh, scheduled for uh, this uh, first half of the year. Okay, uh, remember, stay tuned in to hear about uh, how gratitude and manifestation uh, are working uh, in this experiment that I'm doing. Uh, I'll tell you about that after my interview, which uh, is going to be starting right now with uh, Deborah Lloyd. Let me introduce you to Deborah by way of uh, her bio. Deborah Lloyd is a Reiki master, and she will tell you the type because I can't pronounce it, to be honest. She's also a certified holistic therapy practitioner. She's a licensed clinical social worker working with a hospice agency in Asheville, North Carolina. She grew up on a farm in rural Indiana and was stricken with polio at the age of three. To relieve fatigue from post-polio syndrome, she learned Reiki. This complementary technique led her to explore other alternative modalities. And Laura, I would, I mean, I'm sorry, Deborah, uh, I would imagine that this has um, sort of become a, a driving factor in your life if that's, uh, if, if that's how you started. Yes, Reiki has really, I, I am passionate about Reiki. You can just ask anyone that knows me, get me started, and you may have to tell me to enough already, but (laughs) Reiki is just such a wonderful healing energy that anyone has access to, and that is one of the parts I love is how accessible it is to anyone. Um, You do go through a class and go through an attunement process, but you don't really have to have any other education. You don't already have to be a nurse or a massage therapist or or any of those types of things to be able to use Reiki, not only for other people, but for yourself. And it's as simple as a hands, laying on of hands technique. And our belief is is that uh, when you go to a class and go through the attunement, 
that the channel, if you will, between you and the universe, and you can use whatever uh, term you want for that divine healing energy, but it comes through you and um, and it works. You know, that's the most exciting part. There's just story after story after story of how effective it is. Well, you know, Deborah, um, I mean, I know a lot of people that do this and swear by it, but what do you say for people who it's just really too hard for them to wrap their mind around, you know, to to believe that anything is really happening? You know, the best thing I can tell people is just try it. If it's someone I'm talking with, say a coworker, um, I now have the reputation at work if you have a headache, you've got a boo-boo on your knee, <laughs> anything, go see Deb and she'll, you know, she can do 10 minutes of Reiki. That is what really convinces people is the experience. And the other thing I tell people, I was exactly the same way before I had my first session, which now was almost 14 years ago. In two months, it'll be 14 years. And when I first was told about it, I really thought it was woo-woo. I just thought, how is that going to work? And and I have to tell you, to me, this is one of the connections with the sacred feminine. We really do live in a world where we have, well, not everyone's embracing the Western medicine uh, philosophy anymore, but when I was growing up, that was the only way um, that I ever knew of. You know, you take a pill, you go to the doctor, you do exactly what the doctor says, and we have this passive role in all of it. We just thought, you know, show up somewhere, they do their magic on you, whether it's a pill or surgery or whatever, and you'll get better. And what we have all now realized is we all need to take responsibility for our own health and even for our own healing, maybe even especially for our own healing, and that we can play a very active role in it. And, well, and, um, and, it's a real switch. And, well, and, you know, and, and I have to say this, you know, for liability reasons, you know, that, you know, I can't condone any sort of alternative medicines, you know, as a replacement for... Uh-huh you know, a doctor's uh, recommendation or something. So, you know, hear that audience, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I have to say that because, you know, I haven't used any of these sorts of things for healing. Well, no, no, I did. I, I have to say I did once and it seemed to work. But, you know, I, I'm the skeptical Virgo. And, um, and and while I do believe in things that we can't See, you know, I, with myself, for instance, I'll I'll use an example. You know, I thought, you know, there was a chance I was going to have to have uh, surgery, and I had a healing at the Goddess Temple, and it felt like something was going on. You know, I mean, I could feel the energy that the women were putting into my body. But, you know, I'll be honest, and I'll say, you know, I don't know whether I'd have gotten the same diagnosis without that healing. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm not sure I wanted to find out either. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you said that because actually we, I, I don't dismiss all Western medicine by any means. I, I realize I came off that way. In fact, we teach that this is a complementary 
um, modality. And, of course, people always have their own choice of whether they want to do, um, say, if you got cancer. You always have a choice whether you want to take chemotherapy or not. I would never tell anyone, you know, don't do any of that. In fact, I really believe Reiki will help the chemotherapy to um, act better in your body, in other words, to become more effective. Um, There have been some studies now that shown after surgery, Reiki helps the recovery time to go faster. Um, Well, and I know there are studies, too, that say if you get um, acupuncture, if you time it right, I think it has to be like, I don't know, 12 or 24 hours before chemo, it's supposed to um, help the chemo do its job, and I think maybe um, you're less likely to be sick. Uh, but, I mean, there's another thing, acupuncture. How do we really know, you know, it's working? You know, I, I think, uh, well, like you said, you just have to you have to try it. You know, maybe have an open mind and try it and see if um, if you can recognize and, and actually see results. Right, right. Um, you know, one of the things about all of the energy healing modalities is the focus is on the energy and the energy centers. I don't know if you're familiar with the chakras. <clears throat> Many people mm-hmm. are now because yoga talks about the chakras. I think yoga has done more to introduce people to that whole concept of having energy centers in our body. And then from those centers, meridians flow out through our limbs and you know, really throughout our whole body. And it is those energy lines that the acupuncturist really focuses on. So they, you know, it's connected in a way, or they use the same basic philosophy, I guess would be the way of saying it. Yeah. Um, Well, and, you know, and and I'm sitting here, Deborah, and I probably feel like a partial believer and partial skeptic, and I'm also reminded that sometimes I surprise myself. Um, I was taking a class once where we were learning and teaching ourselves about energy, and one of the things we did was we put these metal dousing rods in our hands, you know, like the ones you see that, you know, uh, people look for water with or something, you know. And what we were supposed to do in this experiment was, okay, you put a dousing rod in each hand, you held it in front of you about chest high, and you had them just sort of straight pointing at the person in front of you, you know, a couple feet away. And you told the person, okay, imagine your aura growing big and huge and beautiful and golden and you feel wonderful about yourself. You know, think about one of your happiest moments. I mean, you were trying to get them to think really positive thoughts. I have to tell you that uh, I, I, I can't remember a time when it didn't work that when the person expanded their aura and you know and I'm not you know and I can't even swear that people knew they had an aura or believed in their aura before right. this okay but we were just telling them think positive thoughts see the aura grow around your body those dousing rods opened up and then that very same person you know we would give them a minute to enjoy that happy feeling and then would say okay now think sad thoughts and I think you probably have an idea where I'm going with this, but yeah. you know, would say, okay, uh-huh. you are you were a hairball in the corner. You are nothing. Think of the the worst moment in your life when you felt 
awful. You are nothing. And I got to tell you, those dowsing rods usually come back to center and then even cross over one another. You know, so there's something going on, whether we can (laughs) see it or not. (laughs) Well, one of the um, examples I often use in a class when people are kind of struggling with this whole energy, I'll say, let's just picture a workplace. Let's picture the most negative workplace you've ever worked in. And it's kind of a normal day. You know, nothing really big's going on. There's no big conflicts, although there can be often. And there can be a lot of toxic people. But it's kind of a normal day. Think about how you feel by the end of the day. And you could just see the whole class is just tired and just struggling to stay awake. And then I switch it. Okay, think about the most positive workplace you've ever been. Again, not the major going on that day. How do you feel at the end of the day? More importantly, how do you feel when you walk in the door the next day? You're excited to be there. That's energy. <laughs> yeah, more yeah. Than that. No one has touched you or, you know, had a, a confrontation with you particularly, but that energy is all around us. Or, and, you know what that you made me think of? You know, when I was a young girl, um, I was the son my father never had. <laughs> and we used to go to football games together, okay? And we lived in New Orleans, and we used to go cheer for the Saints. And, you know, New Orleans, you know, the Superdome was known for, like, the craziest, most loyal fans, and we would go wild, you know? And I think about the energy in that stadium when the Saints were winning or when we were, you know, trying to get the team to, you know, stir them up to do something good. You know, the, I mean, the hair would stand up all over your body, electricity going through your body. And then when they would be losing, well, you were just as low as low could be. You know, and yeah. and then you were surrounded by you know sixty uh, sixty thousand other people that were as low as right, low exactly. can be. <laughs> you, you know, so so if the people who are listening to us, you know, maybe they can't relate necessarily to what we're talking about. Maybe they can think about when they were in a situation like that. You know, uh, like you said, the workplace or a stadium. You know, some sort of sports yeah. arena. Um, and, and, you know, you felt that energy of the crowd. And so would you say the Reiki, you know, getting back to the Reiki, it's sort of the same sort of thing except that uh, how is it different than these, well, these sorts of energies that we're talking yeah. about? How I really see the difference, and I, I am a, a person of faith. I do believe in that whatever we want to call it, the divine, the universe, that supreme being that is just total, unconditional love. And that love has the capacity to bring healing into our lives. And I, so we really connect with that in a very, very strong way. And I do think no matter what anyone's spiritual beliefs are or religious beliefs, somehow we know there is a power greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I see that we connect to that energy And many times that energy, we know it on some level, but it really is made um, accessible and real to us when it really flows into our body. It always is there, but sometimes we forget that it is there. So it's. Do you think you have to? Do you think you have to believe in it to for it to work? I mean, like for instance, if 
you know, if um, you know, my husband always suffers with pain in his in his knee where he had a knee replacement. If I go hold my hands over his knee and I imagine that you know I am sending him healing energy, do you think I have to believe it for it to work? Well, I think you would do it. To me, skepticism <laughs> is saying, you know, I'm not 100% closed off to the possibility. I'm just right. not sure. And uh, because I'm asked all that t- all the time, will Reiki work on someone who's 100% closed to that possibility? And I laugh and say, if someone's 100% closed, they're not going to let me even be near them. <laughs> but... I love a good skeptic. I really do because many times they are the people that have researched it. They have read, you know, they've gone online and Googled it and they found some of the great Reiki sites, websites that are out there. And sometimes they're the most knowledgeable people that ever come in. And they can speak about it intelligently. They're tossing around the idea in their mind. And, yes, I do believe it can work with skeptics. And even if you're not sure, I think just the energy of your hand will probably help him. Um, That being said, I think, you know, having some extra training or a class or two in energy healing, I think, strengthens it. So do you have to sort of gather, gather up the energy in a sense, you know, sort of um, coalesce the energy around you first before you sort of direct it into, like, say, a sore spot or something that needs healing? Or is is that even necessary? It's not necessary, but I find the calmer I am and more relaxed because I'm affecting the energy in my space, too, by the energy that I bring into it. <clears throat> in other words... If I come in to do, and I do see Reiki clients, so if I go into my treatment room very disturbed, very upset, I want to take 10 or 15 minutes to get myself calmed down and kind of clear the room of those energies. And so when that person walks in, they just feel calmer. They just feel better because that's the energy that's surrounding them. I do believe relaxation is very, very important in healing (laughs) Um, because stress is the opposite of that right 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 approach a situation stressed our whole body's tense our minds going a million miles an hour so i do everything i can to develop a calming environment a calming space Um, and i go ahead well, I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I wonder if when you're directing that energy to a particular spot, do you, I mean, has there been any science done on it? I mean, do you think you're attracting maybe blood flow to the area or something like that that helps aid in the healing, or you think there's more to it than that? I think there's more to it than that, but I think if that's what's needed in the healing, that could very well happen. One of the really exciting things about Reiki is we believe it heals mind, body, and spirit. And and so it can um, heal the emotional issues. So many times we do carry our emotions in our body. And um, when we were in the middle of the recession, oh, my goodness, so many people carried that angst, that fear of losing a job some cases the fear of trying to find another job, so often we carry those fears in our stomach. And mm-hmm. I could 
I could feel that in people's stomach areas. You know, it just felt tight. It felt tense. Um, and so calming down those energies then enables them to receive the healing energies from the universe. Well, so you know, I, that brings up a good question, Deborah. You know, I've always thought of Reiki, and, you know, whenever I've played with it a little bit, you know, it's always been like to heal a spot. But do you do it differently when you're trying to heal someone's emotions? I mean, I'm not talking about like when maybe their angst manifests in a stomach ache or a headache. But say they're they're depressed, um, you know, or or can this help with, you know, emotional issues as well? Absolutely. What we believe is the Reiki goes to the true cause of the problem. Many times what we're experiencing are just the symptoms that are caused because the root cause is not being healed, it's not being taken care of. And I'm going to use an example from my own life. As you mentioned, I did have polio as a little girl, and I have quite a severe limp. My legs are atrophied. The good news is I've had a really full and rich life. Um, I have a wonderful husband. We have two grown children. I have a nice career. But there was always that part of me that felt less than other people. I always felt like I had to prove myself harder than anyone else if I went on mm-hmm. a job interview that I would have to do twice as well because I had a strike against me as soon as they saw me walk through the door. The Reiki really helped me to deal with that. And it wasn't just that I got this energy and it went away. What it did was help me to really, um, well, actually I journaled a lot, um, but there were times when it kind of bubbled up and it was like, here I am, let's let's do the work that really is needed here. So it isn't that it just goes to the emotional part of yourself that needs to be healing and may give you the courage to really look at something and to do the work that is needed. I see, Um, I see. Um, Well, now you you are a master in two different types. Is it Usi and Karuna, something like that? Yeah, it's Dr. Usui. It's Usui. And um, what our belief is, is that this is actually a very ancient form of healing. But Dr. Usui was a very learned Japanese man. And in 19, and when I say learned, he was a doctor, um, a metaphysical type doctor. And he had studied, he had traveled, he was familiar with many cultures and belief systems. And one weekend, he went to this Buddhist retreat on some mountain in Japan and was meditating, and he felt like this energy just come over him. And he knew something had happened, and he just felt guided to put his hands on people for healing. And there are many, many cases of people that he healed. This was in 1922. There was a major earthquake a year or two later and near Tokyo, and he traveled there and set up clinics, and that's what they did was Reiki. Wow. So he trained, yes, he trained many people. And amazingly, he died in 1926. So he really only lived four years after, you know, he, he learned this, but it grew throughout Japan. And then Is that where it started? Is, is, uh, yes, mm-hmm. and, and how long has it been around that that we know of? Well, we don't really know about the ancient, you know, when that time period was, but 
it kind of came back, if you will, in 1922. And then with World War II, um, the Reiki practitioners literally had to go underground when um, the United States defeated them, and said they, they really tried to bring in the Western medicine. Again, I'm not knocking it, but just saying they yeah. did not want alternative things to go on. So, well, I mean, you think the people in the yeah. East lived lived, you know, for for you know thousands of years using Eastern medicine. So, yes. um, you know, they had to they you know they had to be on to something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a lot of these principles or philosophies around energy and everything is seen in a lot of the you you brought up acupuncture, a perfect example, but even some of the Ayurvedic um some of their modalities, yoga, there's a lot of um threads that go through all of these different modalities. Well, and you know, I want to hear about different modalities and I also want to hear about some of the stories. Um so uh, what would you like to talk about first? Well, I think um, I can share one story that happened in um, my personal life, and it's not me. It was actually our daughter, who at that time was 20 years old, um, picked up a casserole lid that came right out of the oven without thinking. (laughs) Yeah, we've all done it. (laughs) Yeah, we've all done those kinds of things. And she really very badly burned the palm of her hand. So... Um, I said, let's just go ahead and, you know, put it under cold water at first. And we did that for a minute or two. And I reikied it for half an hour. And I did not touch the skin. Reiki will work with your hand. You know, there would be certain injuries you would not want to touch. But I kept my hand out two or three inches, and we reikied it for half an hour. The poor thing, I mean, it was very painful. You know, tears are running down her face for about the first ten minutes. And then... <clears throat> the pain really subsided by continued to reiki it. And I told her what is happening is it's healing very quickly. This is the kind of burn that should have blistered very badly. When she got up the next morning, it never blistered. It was just dried skin that you see like after a blister has healed. Mm-hmm. That's where she was the next morning. Wow. So, yeah. So that was one of our most amazing things that we saw. Um, let's see some other stories. Well, my own life, I have actually had some physical improvements um, in my legs, even though they're still atrophied. One night when we were doing Reiki, I felt literally both my hip joints, um, you know, where the leg bone meets <laughs> the hip bone. Yeah. The joint, um, there was a realignment. Um, I felt it happen, and I got up and I started walking at first. It felt very odd just because my muscles were being used differently, mm-hmm. but it, it, it maintained. In other words, my my bones are aligned a little bit better. Um, but for me, the most important part is the emotional and spiritual healing, not for myself, but not only for myself, but for other people. Um, I had a gentleman come in one day, um, just very, very distressed. And um, he was just a quiet type of guy, didn't really want to say much. And and with Reiki, you don't need to know much. You just trust that the universe will know what this person needs. Most people do come in with physical issue going on. 
Um, and But he just said he was really stressed, really fatigued, and he just wanted to relax. And I said, fine. <laughs> the first thing I got, and I have grown much more intuitively, but I just got these messages that this man needs to stop smoking. And I, that was something I did not expect at all. But after the session, I, I just said, you know, and the funny thing was I didn't smell any smoking. I, I can really smell cigarette smoke on people. I didn't smell a thing. So he just laughed and laughed, and he has really been struggling with giving up smoking. And um, But it was really tied in with emotional issues and his dependence upon smoking. And he was so blown away that that was what I got for him versus right. why right. he was feeling stressed and tired. He was also going through a relationship breakup, and that was part of it. But, um, you know, I, I didn't know any of those things. <laughs> until so so typically when a client comes to you, I mean, do you? I mean, do they sort of, you know, lay down on a table, like if, you know, uh, or, or a couch, like if they're in, you know, maybe a psychiatrist's office, or they sit in a chair, or, um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess to sort of describe, you know, yeah. what it looks like. Yes. Well, I do use a massage table, and I think most people that offer Reiki for clients, because you can also just learn Reiki for yourself and for your family and friends, but for those of us that do work with the public, if you will, I think most of us use a massage table. It is just really comfortable, and they the person stays fully clothed. So it is not like a massage where, you know, you need to take off a lot of your clothing. Um, so you stay fully clothed, and I just make them comfortable if they're feeling a little cool. You know, I can put a sheet on top or a blanket, or they can just lay there without a blanket. They lay part of the time on their back and the rest of the time on their stomach. So we do learn different places to place our hands that really correspond with the seven chakras, the seven major chakras. And um, many of us, and, and I do think it's just working with this energy and us becoming really more connected with spirit, um, many of us have become quite intuitive, and I will get messages for people. And what I find really amazing is the more open people are, the stronger the message is. So uh, for someone who comes in who's very skeptical and is absolutely fine, their messages might be more just around relaxing and um, you know trying to work through some of the stress or things like that, and it, then it can go all the way to where I really get very clear messages for people. And I find that my experience is not that unusual. Um, so uh, give us an example of one of these really clear messages that came through in a session. Okay. okay. I will give an example. Um, I had a gentleman one time that just seemed very put together. <laughs> I mean, he just presented well. He seemed very calm. Um, I think, I'm trying to think why he came in. I think he said, oh, I'm feeling a little bit stressed. And truly what I got for him was that the work that he is doing is not what the the work of his life purpose and that he is not following what he really wants to be doing. And wow. um, often when I give those messages, I, I kind of start off to kind 
kind of see how far I can go, and he was very open. And then he shared with me he really, really wants to work as a minister or something spiritual in the spiritual realms or religious realms. But they now, you know, he's married, he's got kids, they have a lovely home, and he couldn't do it. So, yeah. and, and he, what he, well, we could always make that choice, but the choice would be so difficult to be affecting their whole family. Yeah. And um, the sense that I got is, you know, he, sometimes we just have to follow our dreams. <laughs> but, you so know, do you I, I think you believe were, it you, no purpose. So, Deborah, do you think you were picking up on his innermost thoughts, or do you think you were, um, you know, you, I mean, you know, wherever the, this energy comes from, uh-huh. do you think it, you were the conduit between, you know, the energy source and the man, or were, you, you know, was the energy coming, I guess, emanating from the creatrix, or was that message you got, you, did you just maybe pick it out of his head, or could you tell? It felt like it came more from spirit, and in the I'll be honest. In the beginning, I was skeptical of these messages that I were get that I was getting. So I had to learn to trust. And really, what did a lot of times I would give people like a hint of it, or say it seems as if they would start telling me exactly what I got. Hmm. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was so yeah. Affirming. They would say, oh, well, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I had only given them a little bit. It was those it was those affirmations that really helped me to trust that these feelings I'm getting, these impressions, these messages are real. And, in fact, I need to give this to them because this is part of their process of healing. Right. And you know, and and that happened to me too. <laughs> Some of my work <laughs> for my yeah. own self when I was the client. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you wonder sometimes. I mean, you know, I've been in different situations, you know, spiritual settings or you know, just some groups where you're playing around doing stuff and, you know, you get these, you know, these ideas pop into your head and you wonder where they're coming from, you know, because you don't want to delude yourself and, you know, imagine imagine that they're, you know, uh, a, a voice from spirit when maybe it's just your own imagination, you know. Um, so I think, you know, maybe sometimes we tend to, uh, well, I'm, I guess I'm speaking for myself, but, you know, sort of shut off that spigot a little bit and not always trust that it might be divine inspiration. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I, Karen, you're not speaking for yourself. You're speaking for all of us because all of us have done it. You know, all of us have not, and I call it sometimes, we get these gut feelings we know. Let's say you meet someone and you just know they're not going to be good for you but mm-hmm. you continue on with that person yeah. <laughs> for yeah. whatever, as a friend or as, you know, a partner in a relationship. And part of you always knew this was not a good idea, but we continue on. Or we get those thoughts, you know, sometimes I just, I see them as invitations. 
often from spirit. We can say, yes, that's a great idea. I think I'll do that. Or we can say, no, <laughs> yeah. I don't believe this is happening. I, I think I, you know, I'm crazy that I even came up with such an idea, but maybe it wasn't ours in the first place. Yeah, um, yeah. And, well, now, you were going to talk about other modalities. Um, what yeah. what other sorts of modalities? You know, I, I, I mean, I started thinking like flower essences and... Um, Oh, what do you call it when you uh, aromatherapy? aromatherapy? You know, I mean, were you think were you thinking about those sorts of things, or were you all going in another things, direction? Yeah, all of those things are what I would call, you know, energy healing because they all have the basis of that underlying philosophy that this is affecting your energy in one way or the other. I I really love color therapy, how colors affect us, either everything from what we eat to the colors we surround ourselves with, the colors we wear, colors in our homes, um, all of these are that. But one of the modalities I got involved with was shamanic intuitive healing. And I don't know how familiar you are with people who do shamanic type work. Not um, that much. I'm, You know, I'm more, I, I think I've spoken to them more in terms of um, you know, with you know, using sacred hallucinogens and things like that, uh-huh. but that was probably the extent of it. Yes, and there are some people that do that, but the woman I worked with, um, I mean, we started off, she can just see spirits, and it was very um, American, if you will, no rattles, no shaking, no, no uh, smoking, nothing like that. We were just two women sitting basically in a treatment room. You know, one of us was in a chair, the other one was in a chair. She would close her eyes, and um, she always worked in the higher realms because you can get involved in the lower realms, the negative-type spirits, and she did not believe in that at all. What really blew me away is because we never knew what was going to happen. Um, Sometimes a session might be around a past life of mine, sometimes... A spirit guide came in to say, I've been working with you your whole life, and um, this is something that you need to be looking at. So what was happening was we would cover material, and I was told, I, I always went home and journaled, usually for a couple of weeks, by about what happened during that one session. And that's where I had a lot of emotional growth is and spiritual growth is because it was so honed in on my next step and what I needed to do next. Wow. So it was something in a million years I never thought I would have done. If you'd told me that 20 years ago, you'd be working with a shamanic intuitive healer, I would have went, what? Well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm. you see, I'm thinking that myself. You know, look, I've yeah. never been a rich person. You know, my discretionary income was precious. And you know, and and I would, I I think I would hesitate to, you know, spend it on something that, you know, for all I knew, this person was a charlatan. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I mean, I've been to some psychics and you yeah. know, paid them my hard-earned money, and they weren't very good. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and, and I'll say yes, yes. And there's another place where we have to use our gut feelings. Um, I think we need to be very, very discerning about anyone we trust to help us. And and I'm going to put in the medical doctors, too. There's some wonderful medical doctors out there, but there are some that 
really are not good. <laughs> well, you know, somebody has to graduate last. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, some of them did not. I mean, I'm going to be honest, some are in it because they were pushed into it by their parents or for some reason their heart is not really in it they're, yeah they're not really healers life. you know they they want to exactly. get rich or something and they exactly. they don't really care about people some of them i think yeah but how i met this woman um my husband and i have a my husband's a massage therapist now and we were renting out space we had extra rooms she came in to look at a space that's how i met this woman she walked in i was sitting down i had not gotten up i was actually sitting behind a table and we talked a little bit, and she goes, oh, you've got something going on with your hip right now. And I about fell out of my chair because not only did I have the polio stuff, but I had just been, that week, been diagnosed with osteopenia, which is before osteoporosis. No, I said that wrong. But it's when you don't have enough calcium. Um, and, and it was just in that one hip joint. The rest of my calcium in my bones is very, very strong. But she picked up on that. Wow. Talking to me within like a minute. So then we now talked about... Now you see, if something like that did. happened to me where somebody just walked up to me and said something like that and uh-huh. they were so right on, that would make all the difference in the world. You know, yeah. rather than maybe they say, yeah, it'll be $175, please, and then I'm going to talk yeah. to the angels about how we're going to heal you. You know, I would probably go run down the street and say, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> No, I don't think I'm going to spend my $175 this way, especially, you know, you don't take insurance? You mean what? <laughs> yes. No, I, I really understand what you're saying, and believe me, we're in the same boat. <laughs> I'm a social worker. My husband's a massage therapist. What can I say? So, yeah. no, I'm very careful, but and I didn't go every week, you know, because I, I did so much work in between. And I guess it was the course of about a year, 15 months, that I saw her, but it was um, it wasn't every week. But well, I mean, I mean, if she, if you knew she was yeah. helping you, that's different, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about the skeptics like me who right. are afraid, right. afraid they're being duped, you know. Yeah. But I think to be skeptical about a lot of folks and some of these is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing to listen to your gut and to really. And I ask for guidance, is this what I should be doing? Should I go back? Is it time to end? I mean, I was, you know, being very prayerful throughout the whole thing just to, and then one day I just knew I didn't need it anymore. because I. So so that's how the answer came? It was just a certainty that you were done? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like it was a voice or, I don't know, something else? I, it just felt so right that I just knew I was done. And I told her that, you know, we communicated and said, I don't think, I said, I may, you know, have to come back down the road, but right now I feel good. And actually we did have one phone session after, oh, maybe a year later something happened where I got some really crazy pain. And um, anyways, we did a little session over the phone. And hmm. she lives right there in Asheville. So, and I got some real clear direction what it was all about. <laughs> and again, it was right on. So so are you, oh, so she was, she, okay, I, at first I'm thinking she, you know, sent you Reiki through the phone or something, but you're not talking about that. She just 
uh, got the intuitive messages yes. to help yes. you see why you were having pain. Yes, what it was okay. about. Okay, yes. I got it. Well, you know, um, you you probably heard that, uh, you know, in the line of work that you're in, I mean, that there are actually, uh, you know, Christian ministers out there scaring their congregations even about things like yoga. I mean, have yes. you have you heard that? I mean, that like oh, yes. even yoga is from the devil and yes. Reiki is of the devil and all of that. I, I yes. wonder if, if you've had any pushback or resistance or any personal experience with that sort of stuff. Um, yes. I mean, no one has been outright, outright confrontational, but certainly I know that exists. I know, you know, we are, I live in North Carolina. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, those types of folks around and they they can have their beliefs they if but i don't believe that <laughs> yeah well so, yeah it, um, it's not but the problem is they don't think you should have your beliefs that's the problem that is the problem <laughs> <laughs> but you know um sometimes i i just i i almost just feel sorry for people that have to see everything is so black and white uh, to me you're just missing the richness of life because the richness is in the gray areas and that's, sure. that's just how i feel yeah, you're so you're so right i i believe that absolutely too i mean you know they're really just coming from a place of fear and yeah. um you know the it it i i mean i i grew up in new orleans i uh, and I grew up in that bu- that bubble of the Bible Belt, so you know I I know what what that's like, you know, uh, to not know anything about anything except everybody who's like you, <laughs> you know. Exactly. And, yeah. And you know that whole thing about unless you believe what I do, you won't be saved. I mean, that's another whole issue. And and um, well, you said in the intro I do hospice work, so our patients here in Asheville, because Asheville is like this really open community. It's like a little oasis. (laughs) Uh, So we attract everybody. And I just find it totally fascinating that truly I can visit, you know, a really fundamentalist type and my next visit can be, you know, uh, whatever. um, Yeah. uh, Atheist or, you know, whatever I, I find that fascinating, and I love it. Right, right. Well, now your your book, uh, Deborah. Let me make sure. Is the title "Believe and It's True: A Story of Healing and Life Lessons"? Is that the title? That is the title of it. And, okay. Um, yes, and the publisher is John Hunt Publishing, and it is available both in paperback and as an electronic book through all the major uh, websites, bookstores. Um, on the web, like, I don't know, can I mention them? Sure, yeah. Yeah, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and, of course, any, and I love the independent bookstores. You know, you can go into an independent bookstore and have it ordered. Um, yeah, that's so, that's what I always tell folks here. If you can avoid it, don't order from Amazon. Yes. They take too much yeah. of our money and try to help keep the independents in business. You know, we yeah. need them. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So I, I like to encourage that too. But um so anyways that it is available. Um it's also available through my website. Um my website's Deb Lloyd Healing and that's Lloyd with two L's D E B L L O Y D Healing dot com. 
And uh, I do have a blog that people can follow where I talk about Reiki and other um, related topics, if you will. Okay. And um, and I love to correspond with people. I love to get email conversations going back and forth. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You. I mean, you're you're you know you're really friendly and open, and um, you know, and I I really do like that about you. Well, so Deborah, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to make sure you, you shared with listeners? Yeah, I think I would just like to um, really, I really believe because of how life is on earth, all of us have something to heal, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. And this is really, um, life on earth is hard, (laughs) that's all I can say. And I just want people to know that I believe, and, and I truly know this, is that there is nothing that cannot be healed. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be cured from a particular particular physical malady, but how you're healed is that you come to a place of acceptance if that's where you need to be, but that you feel really whole again. You are not less than any other person because you might have a physical ailment, because you have a history of abuse, or because you know your first husband left you, whatever. All of that can be healed, and you can feel whole again. Um, I really believe all of us are spiritual beings, and that so often with all the stresses in our world, unfortunately sometimes that's the aspect of ourself that gets put on the back burner. And And I understand that, but I think to really, really develop spiritually, we really do need to believe that we are whole beings and that we're not less than anyone else, that all of us have great worth and all of us are truly loved by the divine. Yeah, because, you know, in a way that's kind of the darkness, isn't it? You know, um, when we harbor these feelings of inadequacy maybe or, um, whatever they are, you know, uh, it it may it may be about self worth, or it may be, um, you know, I mean, there's, you know, it could be guilt, it could be shame, um, it you know, it could be so many different things. Um, you know, we have to really sort of take them out and look at them because otherwise they can um, affect our life and prevent us. Uh, from, you know, maybe being happy or reaching our fullest potential or or being healthy. Right, right. And I do believe over time, if we don't take care of those things, they really do cause real physical problems. That being said, I do not believe every physical problem we have is necessarily from that because I believe we can have this, I mean, just look at our environment. We are living in a world of so many toxins. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. any of us could get cancer, even though that, you know, we may emotionally be doing very well. So I right. also don't want people to hear that, because actually that's something I do hear, and people do question me about, are you one of those that believes if I get a cancer, I caused it? Mm. Not necessarily, you know. Yeah. So, 
give ourselves grace on that one too. Um, right. You know how how did I cause having polio when I was three years old? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what the Kabbalist would tell you. It, I mean, I'm not saying I believe it. This is one of the reasons I stopped taking Kabbalah classes. They would say it was probably something you did in a past life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so fear based. Sometimes, I mean, they had some good stuff, some really good yeah. stuff, but sometimes it was so fear-based and, you know, you just came away thinking, um, oh, can I ever be good enough? Can right. I ever volunteer enough? Can I ever tithe enough? Can I ever um, serve humanity enough to make up for, I don't know, what I did ten lifetimes ago, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, well, well, Deborah, um, it has been nice talking to you, and I think we really ended, uh, you know, you really ended this on a positive note, you know, letting people know that, uh, you know, healing is always possible. You know, life can be better. Uh, there are, you know, alternatives out there, and, you know, maybe it's just something like these um, alternative modalities that maybe they haven't even um, thought about as a as a means to you know help them enhance their life. Exactly. Well, and it's so, really been an honor to be part of your show, and I I mean that sincerely. I really appreciate your having me on. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And and again, the title of uh, Deborah Lloyd's book is Believe and It Is True: A Story of Healing and Life Lessons. And no doubt, in her book, uh, listeners, she uh, goes into much more detail about all the things um, we talked about here. So, um, you know, pick it up. It might be uh, the best thing you do for yourself in 2015. <laughs> There you so, go. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. And uh, you have a really great year. And, and keep in touch, okay? Okay. Thank you, Karen. Bye-bye. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. Well, listen here. If you're a regular, you know that sound. We are crossing the threshold into the second uh, half of the show. And uh, I have to give a shout-out and thank Joe Carson uh, for her Dancing with Gaia commercials that uh, uh, helped me uh, stay on the air. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth have a rock or a tree. And I came out of it. This is, this is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, that was Serena Roney Dougal, Ph.D., speaking in Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia. Dancing with Gaia explores the connections between Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the goddess as Gaia. It features 15 visionaries who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. And the DVD comes with a 45-page mini-book and costs just $20. And you can get your own copy at dancingwithgaia.com.
And again, uh, thanks to Jo uh, for uh, her commercials that helped defray the cost of airtime. Uh, but your listener support is also greatly appreciated. I guess I kind of feel like PBS here, but, um, you know, uh, to come on the air here, uh, I do pay for it out of my pocket. And if uh, with so many of you out there, if a number of you just sent in a little, you know, it adds up a lot, and it would really be great if, um, you know, I could have the next six months of airtime paid for and uh, wouldn't have to worry about it. So um, if you'd like to help with that, uh, please go to my website at uh, karentate.com. Once you're there, go to the Goddess Store page, and uh, you can go all the way down to the bottom of that page, and the very last PayPal button allows you to make a donation of any amount. And you know what? I Don't be embarrassed if you can only send 5 or $10, because as I said, if 5 or 10 or 15 folks send uh, 5 or $10, well, you know, we're on the way to paying for the show uh, for the coming months. So uh, I appreciate if you can uh, help out with that. And, um, you know, other good causes that uh, also need your support. Uh, with, with that in mind, I wonder if you've ever thought about becoming a member of the Goddess Temple in Irvine, California. You'd have the distinct privilege of belonging to one of the only brick-and-mortar goddess temples on Mother Earth. You can become a member of the temple, uh, help them do their work with just a monthly $25 donation, and it might even be tax-deductible. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you give your money to Emily's List or Greenpeace or something like that. Uh, the Goddess Temple uh, definitely needs uh, support. And, uh, uh, you know, it, there in Irvine, you know, they have to do everything from keeping the lights on to keeping toilet paper on the rolls to, you know, buying candles, uh, insurance, um you know, electricity, I mean, it's an assortment of things. I think it takes something like $6,000 a month to keep the doors of the Goddess Temple open. And you don't have to live in Irvine to be a member. Uh, you can be a member from afar. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, check out the Goddess Temple of Orange County dot com website but if you are local uh, you might want to check out their venus hour every friday uh, they have movies and there's networking and libations and snacks um, you know if if you want to meet uh, more like-minded people meet new friends uh, you might want to try that out also fourth sundays uh, that's when families are allowed uh, to bring uh, you know their children their um their loved ones to the temple, where the first three Sundays are usually for women only. The fourth Sunday uh, is for uh, all genders and uh, and children. And uh, the Goddess Temple is in the process of becoming a museum and cultural center, uh, and that should be fun. And that will no doubt bring new activities and people to the temple as well. So you might want to be a part of that and uh, and not miss it. You know, it is one of only a handful of actual brick-and-mortar goddess temples on the face of the earth, and that is no small deal. And uh, as I said earlier, please don't forget the Sacred Tour to Turkey coming up in May. Uh, it's getting close to that time when uh, you're going to have to register. Uh, also, my talk at uh, Soul Centered this um, this Saturday, uh, and that's in Ojai, Reawakening Our Earliest 
uh, sacred stories. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a Q&A afterwards and uh, a mini ritual. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, oh yes, I wanted to share with you uh, the gratitude and manifestation uh, experiment that I'm doing with some dear friends in my wisdom circle. And I have to tell you, it has already had a very positive effect on me and I just wanted to share it with you in case you might want to try it yourself. We decided that uh, we were going to do several things um, moving forward for the next two weeks. Uh, We meet um, uh, every second Friday and um, we do something a little bit different in terms of focusing on manifestation and uh, and gratitude. And what we were supposed to do until our next meeting was, first of all, to bring prosperity in our life. We were supposed to act it, you know, act as if we were very prosperous, whether that meant, you know, we dressed up nice every day and, you know, if we had some nice pieces of jewelry, maybe wear the jewelry, maybe it meant using the good china on the dinner, you know, on the, on the dining room table, um, you know, whatever makes you feel uh, flush, you know, uh, those would be some things that you could do. Um, you know, maybe if, you know, your your wealth sort of manifests in other ways, you could, uh, you know, you could do something else that makes you feel um, prosperous. You know, maybe you could, uh, you know, go get a manicure or a facial, you know, or, or something like that. The other thing, though, that uh, we were doing was we, we said we were going to take a break from posting uh, political stuff on Facebook, and we were going to stop watching the news. We were just going to watch things or read things or share things that were uplifting. And I've been working on that. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see I haven't posted anything about how horrible Republicans are being in the world in probably two weeks. And finally, every morning when we get up, uh, my husband and I write down ten things that we're grateful for. And we do that before we start our day. And I have to tell you, it has made a shift and how I actually feel. Now, you know, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you say, oh, Karen, you're not telling us anything new. We don't know. But I'm just saying that this is the first time I've actually done this experiment, and it's, you know, it's not something that I have forgotten about it after day two or day three, and it really has been taking the edge off. And I have to tell you, um, you know, they tell us that when we're gra- when we're grateful, it opens you know, opens the portals for other things to come your way. Monday morning, when I came into the office, there was a bouquet of flowers on my doorstep. And those flowers have been sitting on my desk all week. So that felt like that was the universe saying, good girl, you're on the right track, you know? So anyway, if you'd like to uh, maybe do the same thing and, uh, you know, be a part of our experiment feel free. And if you have any positive results or any kind of results you want to share with me, please email me. And if you'd like, I'll share it uh, with other listeners. But I figure, you know what? What do we have to lose? 
what do we have to lose? Absolutely nothing. And if we all feel better and more empowered and uplifted, um, you know, how can that be a bad thing? You know, uh, who knows what good things may uh, come into our life. Okay. So I guess um, that's almost all I was going to share. Uh, I already talked a little bit about the darkness. Um, uh, one of my dear uh, friends and listeners, Dorma, sent uh, sent me an article uh, about why it's important to understand your dark side. But, you know, we kind of covered it a little bit with, um, with Deborah that, uh, you know, any spiritual work must uh, entail exposure and understanding of uh, of our darkness, and you know sometimes I think we talk about embracing the darkness, but we don't always know what that means. And uh, in this case, we're talking about having the courage to look at the fact that maybe we feel ashamed about something, or or jealous, or competitive, or lustful, or aggressive, or guilty, or or we've you know we've we've been greedy, um, you know. So, you know, we we have to look at that. You know, we can't uh, shut our eyes and uh, sort of bury it because, you know, it it will, you know, poke its head up and... um, and maybe manifest in ways that we'd we'd rather it not. So, you know, better to look at those things and uh, try to figure out why we feel like that and... um you know what we can do about it. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest here. You know, I I tell you you folks things. You know that I would tell my my dear friends. Um, you know, early on when I was a new priestess and new to goddess, you know, I encountered uh, some women who really devalued me, made me feel as if I was worthless, and that hurt me for a really long time. You know, but I did uh, deal with uh, my self worth issues. You know, I should never have let them. Um, uh, make me feel that way, you know, I should never have bought into it, uh, you know, given them that, you know, that power to make me feel less than or that, you know, I wasn't worthy and, um, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, as I said before, a hairball in the corner, you know, and, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, our issues of, uh, you know, women, I think, you know, in this society, um, we we are marginalized, we are devalued, and you know we really do have to look at that. And how does it make us feel? Um, can it manifest in in you know dis-ease of all sorts uh, of things? You know whether it's in our self-confidence or maybe even sickness. And um, you know I, I look back at these women now and and I say you know. I realized that that was something I had to learn about this lifetime. And I honestly, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I thank them uh, in all sincerity because they were my teachers. Because I really was confronted with, well, you know, am I going to be a hairball in the corner? Or am I going to learn how to step up and step out and find my voice, you know, find my sacred roar, as we call it, and I think you know I have, and um, and I thank them because it, had it not been for them, uh, you know, pushing me in the corner the way they did, I might not have um, looked at those issues that I had, and uh, fortunately made uh, you know lemonade of lemons. So, so there you go. That's uh, you know that's one example of looking at our darkness. And uh, dealing with it, understanding it, and um, 
you know, and, and, and fixing it, overcoming it, understanding it, all of those things. So, uh, and now's a good time to do it, you know, because you can uh, embrace that darkness and um, and deal with it. And as the new year comes along, you know, with the return of the light, both um, literally and metaphorically, you know, you can begin the year anew, uh, armed with the knowledge that you have, and uh, maybe help yourself reinvent yourself, help yourself uh, become a better, newer, fresher version of uh, who you were last year. Okay, well, I've rambled on enough. Hopefully that might be helpful. And uh, I think I will close the show tonight with um, one of the quotes from um, my book, Goddess Calling, and it feels maybe a little bit appropriate to what we were just talking about. And I say in Goddess Calling, I'm talking about stretching ourselves, challenging ourselves, trying to accomplish things we might feel are a bit beyond us, It's a journey of becoming and of growing we all must take. And we cannot be afraid of the journey. It's the journey that steals us. It's the trying, the praying, the stumbling and picking yourself back up, the seeking, the very act of doing that staves off fear and fills us with hope. The destination doesn't necessarily hold the reward. The reward comes from that which has been gleaned from the journey. The destination is just where you take a deep breath, reflect, and relax after the journey has molded you. It's where we take a respite before beginning again to meet the next challenge or climb the next mountain. And I think that's what we do uh, this Uh, this time of year, if you follow the energies of the wheel of the year, we're in that that point where we are uh, sort of marinating and taking stock and, uh, you know, getting ready to, uh, you know, reflecting on the the journey we took in 2014. And uh, we're about ready to begin again uh, our next challenge of uh, 2015. So thank you, my dear listeners. I love hearing from you. I appreciate uh, all the emails that you send, and I love your feedback and show ideas. Uh, I love to know what you like about the show, and uh, I love all of your suggestions. So um, thank you so very much uh, for your listener loyalty. Uh, You are guests in my tank. And uh, next show on the 21st on Wednesday, I will have Gianna uh, Cicelli with me. And uh, we're going to be talking about doing despacho rituals. Uh, Yes, the wonders of despacho spells uh, with Gina, who was a shaman and a witch. I believe she's also uh, a uh, psychic. She's a healer, and she's a professor of sociology as well. So she wears many hats. So we'll be talking about that uh, next Wednesday, and I hope you'll be here with me. So uh, that about does it for tonight, and uh, I think we'll close the show on a uh, on an upbeat note with Um, a group from across the pond called Be Optimistic. And uh, the the song here we'll play for just uh, a few minutes, uh, I mean a few seconds, is uh, Maria.
Okay, good night. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Till next week.